Millions of frontline workers keep our economy running and are provided with the latest technology to do their jobs. But digital adoption, especially by frontline workers, is really hard. This is Frontline Innovators. We explore how to overcome challenges and achieve success when we empower our essential workers. I'm Justin Lake. And I'm Gene Signorini. Together, we speak with experts who are leading the way and driving digital transformation to the front line. This podcast is sponsored by Skillful on a mission to help frontline workers learn and use the technology needed to succeed in their jobs. Welcome to the Frontline Innovators Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Lake, and we have another fantastic episode and guest lined up for today. Today's guest is the Learning and Development Manager for Great Day Improvements. Please welcome to the show, Justin Eubanks. Hello, Justin. Hello. Thanks for having me. Love your first name. And uh, in our prep call, we talked about the fact that somehow, some way, both of us have been called Jason throughout most of our life. So if either of us slip up today, that'll be funny and we'll have it recorded. Uh, but I imagine that's not going to happen. So um, really looking forward to this discussion. Let's start off as we always do and find out what you think is the biggest challenge facing the deskless workforce today. Man, uh, a whole lot. You know, um, communication uh, technology, um, face-to-face interactions. I, I, I think here with us, deskless means, um, we're a home improvement company. So we have installers, we have the sales force, we have a large manufacturing force, and they are primarily out of the office. Um, so reaching them and getting, uh, information to them as part of the communication is key. So uh, we, we look at that and we strategically try to go through what is the best way to do that. And I'll give you a good example of, um, let's say, sales. So uh, we are trying to um, offer sales training on our LMS. And if anybody's watching, and that's a learning management system um, that they can log on to and uh, read like modules and courses about sales training. And... The traditional way, obviously, is going into an office, um, maybe with a lot of people, a large group. You have, you know, you your instructor is up there and he's walking you through the sales training. Um, but now when a new sales uh, employee comes on, what we want to do is push out modules that we've already done. Um, and they are created by our national sales um, trainers. So they are curated to that specific brand. Um, and that's maybe even that specific department or region. And then they'll go on there, they'll read the content, they'll go through it, and they'll have a test at the end. So the idea is, if they can't make it to the office, maybe they're maybe out in Colorado, you know, as long as they have a computer somewhere, then we can get to that. And that is very, um, I guess, uh, a very specific example, because cells, you most likely have access to a computer, right? You know, you have access to something, an iPad, a computer, a cell phone, because um, that's what primarily they they have on them to do their job. But it gets even, I guess, I guess tougher when you look at manufacturing, right? They're on the floor, they're on the plant floor, they're working these machines. Maybe it's a hot day um, and that's going to last all summer. So how do we communicate and maybe... Uh, tackle these skills gaps that we want them to have, whether it is like something like emotional intelligence or 
um, safety? Uh, how do we, you know, go over compliance when they've just worked eight hours on a hot floor and then we want them to have come over and huddle for 10 minutes and we go over a compliance thing. Um, so we look at all of this and we say, what's the, what's the best thing we can do? Um, and our strategy right now is first uh, aligning what change management is throughout all the brands. That's very important, how you conduct this training and how you push it out. Um, you know, I had a conversation earlier with a, uh, a coworker and we were discussing if you wanted to push maybe a new compliance or a learning management system or just communication in general. If you don't go through, I guess, basic change management um, steps, then that can be like a, a hit in front of you, almost blindsided. You know, you're working that day, it's, you're working all week, this new process comes in or this new step or something you don't know about, and it kind of throws everything off. Um, and your day-to-day -day is just kind of shaken a bit. Um, so uh, our strategy here, uh, specifically at Great Day, is to um, slowly uh, evaluate, get people in the right positions strategically, and then uh, work that change management. Um, sometimes it can go quicker in some areas, but sometimes it will have to be very slow. We'll have to uh, get people warmed up to these ideas first, especially about learning. Um, couple years ago, we didn't have this. So uh, to get employees to have a growth mindset, um, you have to first uh, kind of encourage them and open up to this idea that we're going to offer it. So it's not here yet, but it's about to happen. And when it does happen, these are the things that you can do. Um, so now it gets people curious, gets people talking. And in that time frame, whether it's a, a week to a month, maybe six months out, um, you can answer questions. They're going to be uncomfortable. They're going to be asking questions. What does this mean for me? What does this mean for my team? What does this mean for my brand? Um, so you you answer these questions uh, the best you can, and you try to, um, I guess, comfort them with the idea that uh, nothing's really going to change about you know your position. This isn't a um, a threat. This is a motivational factor for you to excel. Um, so that's change management right away. You have to do that. If you don't, then um, the odds are launching a project like that in the remote field, whether it's manufacturing cells, install, um, it's going to fail. It just is. That's the odds. Um, so you have to do that to set up a higher success rate. Um, but once it does, once that time does come around and you do launch that, people are comfortable now. They're relaxed when it happens. They're relaxed when they see the LMS come across. They're relaxed when they see that memo or that email um, because they were already aware that it was going to happen in the first place. Yeah. Um, and that was a very long, long rant, but I think what I'm getting at is change management is so important um, in, in large businesses, even, even small, that to get to these back-end workers that don't have access to, you know, I can walk across you know, to the guy next door, to my, to my employee, um, to the employees here at the office and say, Hey, how are you doing? Let's talk about this. They don't have the opportunity. Right. Well, that, so that man, all right, we've got a lot to, to peel back here. I've got already a few things highlighted you and I were talking about before we started recording today, I have pages of notes from the first time that we met and I already have now added another half a page just in the opening. So we've got a lot to talk about. 
what before I get into asking some clarifying questions on some of the things that you opened with, I'd like to just give the audience a chance to understand a little bit more about who they're hearing from. What is your background and how did you end up in the role that you're in today in the company that you work at? Sure. So uh, in COVID, um, I was laid off home and I was looking for a company that uh, was challenging and growing. I wanted that change. As a you know, explorer, I want to, if you know disc assessments, but the explorer creative type, you want to be challenged. You want that. You don't want to be sitting still. Um, so I seen this role here. It was in manufacturing. And it was to uh, help come in, create uh, processes, move around the shop floor. And uh, it was growing rapidly. We just acquired um, a brand. And the deal was to acquire, I think, two a year for something like five years. Um, that was what I heard. So I got in here and I became the continuous improvement manager where the idea was to go on the shop floor, um, improve things like ergonomics and implement lean concepts, Six Sigma. But along with that was um, another lean concept called the change agents, where um, it's a uh, group of individuals that are highly motivated that will conduct change on the shop floor. Um, it's not a promotion, it's not a title, it's just these specific group of individuals that want change. They um, get very excited and motivated by doing things to help out. Um, and we got that going, and I'm telling you, man, for a good six months, it was just this eye-opening experience of what a group of highly motivated and engaged people can do. Um, so during that time, I kind of went from the route of these lean and six sigma to this eye-opening there is way more value and change and learning and this route here especially this rapid growth that great day was doing um so at that time we uh acquired another business and we were growing rapidly again um we took on some more uh positions we got a cpo um absolutely amazing came from boeing so she came in and she was structuring people into positions to conduct this huge change management chain in HR, right? We were trying to conduct people um, to engage other people. We we're trying to make it a people first um, mentality and culture. So at that time, I started to engage more into the HR side of things and partner with different departments for learning opportunities. Um, the position opened up for learning and management, learning uh, and development manager. Uh, I applied and I took that position. Um, since then, it's been a long road, Justin. It's been a long, a just lot in a few, Just in a couple few years, too. Just in a couple few years, um, the, the home improvement industry is not... Uh, it's 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 I, I, I don't want to say that it's this typical workforce that you know, if you go to a, you know, um, like a Google or an IBM, you have these, you know, how you view them. Um, it's similar to the home home improvement. You know, you have to kind of uh, adapt to how they maneuver. It's high sales, and then after the sales, it, it's it's um, you know, it's construction. You're building something, and we specialize in sunrooms and windows and siding now. Um, so you have to adapt to that adult learning. And so inside of that, the first thing we launched was the LMS, 
how can we get something in our hands, right? So it was this quick education that they can go on there and take classes anytime they want from Python to Microsoft, you know, Excel. Um, and that was the very first thing we launched. And then we've seen a skills gap and that was the middle manager. I don't think that's talked about enough um, in learning and development. And especially in remote work, uh, middle management is extremely tough. Um, you're, you're feeling that pressure from uh, executives, you know, and then underneath you're feeling the pressure from your employees. Um, and you're trying to balance that. So uh, that's, you know, emotional intelligence comes into play, empathy, um, resilience, but also where do you go, you know? So uh, we're trying to engage that. So what we did was launch, and this was for remote workers as well. Most of them were remote. Um, it was a middle management course once a month for um, managers called uh, Great Day University. And we launched that last year and we got a pretty good engagement of 100 employees per um, episode. So it would come on and we would teach things that um, the value of what, not only what we thought was valuable to the company, but what they wanted to learn. So things like uh, P&L statements, finance, you know, very basic things like that. Um, we did do, you know, basic uh, things, but, but things that don't necessarily normally apply to, I'll say lower level leadership on the org chart, right? They, they yeah. may, right. So that, that's a growth opportunity for them. I think you're picking up some signals then from your, your learner community about the things that are important to them that they see as potential for growth. Am I misunderstanding that? No, no. Um, you're completely correct on that. Uh, what we've seen in the feedback that we got was, you would see like like you perfect like, like just what you said the the lower level on the org chart right they were highly engaged they wanted this very badly everybody showed up um the, the upper upper level you know they're used to it they see it um but the people that uh dealt with it sometimes were a little bit confused by it they would uh engage in it and they would have follow-up questions and they would want more and more um so it was good to get that engagement, um, but it even got better when we introduced panels. So we would we would handpick individuals that were mostly remote um, and, you know, a salesman that was on the road 24 seven, you know, I think he took that from a hotel. Um, he would be on this panel discussing a certain topic, very similar to like a podcast. You know, you have this one subject and then you have uh, panelists just discussing and talking about uh, how they view that in their line of work, in their business. So you might have a regional operations manager that kind of oversees like install and uh, jobs in his area. And on that panel, you might have, you know, someone that's uh, like, that, like I said, that traveling salesman. And then also maybe like someone from the plant floor, you know, like a manager from the plant. And they're all engaging in this one subject where they view that subject differently for themselves and their teams, but overall it's the same concept, right? Overall, usually it's the same answer. What they're getting at is the end result is helping your employees out and then overall the company in general. You know, it was just super interesting to see that at the very end when we did the panels. And uh, we're about to relaunch that here at the end of this month as well. So super excited. That's really exciting. I, I want to come back to something that you you said in the beginning. <clears throat> you talked about frontline workers and creating the learning experiences. And you you talked about time. You you specifically said 
you know, they go through an eight hour shift and then they have these other obligations. And yeah. it makes me think back to, you know, the show is called Frontline Innovators. We're talking about frontline employees here. And, and part of my goal for this podcast is to help all of us think about the distinction between knowledge workers that are working in a corporate office versus the the frontline employees. And that terminology is even stupid too, because it's not to suggest that the frontline workers aren't knowledgeable and using their brains for their job. So it's a stupid right. distinction. And I need to think of another phrase, but the, the point is one of the things that's different between a typical corporate employee profile and that of the frontline workers is that those of us that are sitting in offices and cubes aren't typically being managed by the same types of metrics and by time. So if yeah. somebody says to you or to me, hey, we need to carve out 30 minutes to do this thing, training, other, anything else, I have that 30 minutes. I My time is a little bit more fluid, right? Nobody's measuring the number of widgets that I've moved or the number of transactions that I've completed or the number of things I've picked out of the warehouse and put on a truck, right? All of those activities. The frontline employees in your organization are very likely being measured by those exact types of metrics. And yeah. so they have an eight or 10 hour day. They have to go do that, all the work in that eight or 10 hour day, and then they have to learn. And I actually think that's one of the problems. And I'm, I'm curious to get your take on it since you mentioned that before is how we improve their experience as an employee, the effectiveness for their learning by not making it require incremental time, right? Yeah. But by convincing the business, the stakeholders in the business to say, no, that hour that we're going to take them off the floor, take them out of the truck, take them out of the field, calling on customers, it's an investment in the future, in them, in their ability to produce for the company, in right. their ability to uh, develop into a more strategic role in the company, if that's what they aspire to do, right? To serve our customers better, like all, all the outcomes that come from that. What are your thoughts on that personally? And then perhaps maybe you can share, you know, some of the, your company's perspective on that. And if you feel like that's a battle you have to fight inside your organization. I'll try to keep this like nice and narrow. So okay. the, the change in management, like I mentioned before, is very important, especially in manufacturing here. So as the company grows, um, more of a strain goes into manufacturing because we're taking these, maybe some of the companies that were um, buying their goods third party, we're putting that in-house. So we actually produce about 80-90% of our um, items in-house. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So you guys are kind of a an integrated solution where you're actually producing the product and siding and and sunrooms yeah. and things like that, and then you have a full yeah. installation team that's doing the design and build also. Right. It's everything okay. is in house. Um, okay. And that's that's it's it's a very important to the business model. The only part of that um, is that it does put a big strain on manufacturing. So, do they want this? Yes. Does um, the management on the floor want this? Yes. But when it's very busy, uh, the truth is, is that, um, like you said, you know, pulling them out for an hour, that will hit production numbers. So the change in management has taken a few years now to um, convince and slowly integrate this in. Uh, the, the change agents that uh, were part of the manufacturing floor, that was a huge influence because that was you were standing next to that person, you know, they had a different shirt on. So 
they walk up to them, they ask questions. It's this instant answer that they can get without taking time away. So they would go to a meeting once a week, learn something high value, what the company is doing maybe, uh, what's coming up next, leadership skills, um, anything like that. And then they would take that back to the floor and the idea was that that knowledge would instantly be spread amongst the other employees, right? New employee would come in, they would instantly engage and say, this is what we're doing and this is where we're going. So they didn't have to take that time away, right? Um, so that was the change agent's objective, you know, overall. Um, but it, it is a... Um, it is a challenge. So we are launching a new program here at the end of this month that will be a six to eight month program for manufacturing for, for supervisors and managers. And the idea is to get them um, enough knowledge to pass down to their employees without stopping the clock. So it, it got to a point where, um, yes, we do need it. Do we have time? But when, when, is enough to say it's almost hurting when you say we don't have time now you know you have to have that continuous learning you have to have that knowledge that that uh that's desperately missing in most manufacturing environments um and these are employees that drive the business you know they they make our products you know they test the quality they are you're buying a forty thousand dollar uh you know patio enclosure you don't want to scratch on it. You, know, right. you don't want you don't want the wrong size window when it finally arrives six weeks later. Um, and they're doing great in there. So uh, we're getting to a point now where it's happening in manufacturing. And Justin, it's a relief to to finally see this change happening and taking a uh, foot uh, into the learning capability that's happening now. Not only do a lot of these employees have access to our LMS, they all have access, um, but I've, I've been noticing that more and more are getting on to take classes to engage into the LMS. Um, they're asking more questions, they're being more open. Um, we're having a lot more uh, feedback. They do um, town hall meetings where you can just raise your hand and ask a question. You know, this engagement is uh, happening in manufacturing more and more and more. Um, but we had to do it the right way or it wasn't going to stick, right? Yeah. And I hate to say it, but it does take a couple of years sometimes. You have to kind of slowly pull that in there. Well, there's, you know, it's, we're humans and we're dealing with other humans and it's not like it's just flipping a switch and we're going to come in on Monday and all of a sudden you're going to have established all this amazing trust and comfort, right? In this environment. And that that's a big part of what you're describing. And I've learned from a lot of the change management experts that I've been fortunate enough to interview on this show is a lot of this boils down to trust. And what you are explaining today is like a clinic in how to communicate effectively, think about it in a long-term view, not think that you're just going to go put up some posters in the break rooms and all of a sudden you're going to see, you know, this change in behavior, yeah. right? It's, it's a long-term investment in the culture of the company. And over time, it starts to, to build on itself. I mean, that's the, I'm visualizing this like snowball effect as you're describing this story. And uh, man, it sounds like you guys have done an amazing job. You've mentioned something that I've not heard before. And I, I wanna just double down on this for a second. The idea of those change agents actually wearing a different colored shirt, mm. that is a freaking awesome idea. The visual 
you know, symbolic impact of that for both the wearer of the shirt and then also like the visual cues on the shop floor and stuff like that. That is really pretty neat. Can you, is there anything else more to share on that? Cause I, that's just a great concept that I hadn't really thought of before. Yeah. Yeah. So it actually is a lean concept. And I guess the change agent is a term that can be used anywhere, right? An sure. office work can have, um, can be a change agent having this impact and influence. Um, and how they were chosen in the first place was you might not have to be the top tier worker, but you might have major influence, right? So you have the, you know, Venn diagram of the A, B, and C, the A worker being this, you know, negative, they come in, they, they complain, they kind of pull people down with them. The B people, uh, the B employees being, um, they don't know. They're kind of on the fence. They just, they just, they just show up, you know, yep. and the C workers being, you know, this highly motivated group. Yeah. They have, they're fighting for that B group. Right. And A is always going to win. It's always easier to complain. Right. Yep. So, so what we wanted to do was get these major influencers into that team um, that everybody knows them, you know, uh, they're loud, they're involved, they know everybody. And if you can convince them that uh, what we're doing here, this change is really going to happen, then they're going to go out there and influence everybody else. You know, it's just like the popular person. You want to follow the popular person, right? Mm -hmm. um, and uh, when they started wearing the shirts, because that came about two months later. So when the project started, when they wore the shirts, the best part was everybody was asking, what's that? You know, how do you, how do I get in that group? You know, how do I do that? Um and we would coach the employees to say, hey, if you if you want to be a part of this, you know, step it up. You know, not only are we engaging in um, meeting our production, but we're also engaging in things like continuous learning and ethical behavior. You know, so it, it not only were you becoming a better person, you're becoming a better uh, person at home as well and outside. Um, you're engaging maybe in volunteer activities now around the neighborhood. You are reading a book before you go to bed instead of maybe playing video games, you know? So it's changing a, a total behavior of a group and then influencing that, then showing people, you know, that this is what we're doing here. You can be a part of this if you want to, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, yeah it's, it's very fascinating. So, such a, again, important uh, examples of, of things that can be done to influence a culture over time and not think of it as just a one and done activity, you know, a 30 or 60 day initiative, but something that really becomes ingrained in the culture. And it sounds like you guys are doing an amazing job there. And so we've talked a little bit about the field sales folks kind of out and about 24 uh, seven. You mentioned, but we didn't dig in deeply to the installation crews that are out in the field. I suspect there's probably like project foremen and project managers and stuff like that that are running projects out in the field. We've talked about people in the plant and the warehouse where the manufacturing is happening. All of them would fall under the category of a frontline worker, right? They're, they're interacting with the product and they're interacting with customers and stuff like that in the field. I'm wondering though, if you see a distinction between the plant or the folks in, that are working inside a building versus those folks that are working out and about. And part of it is actually something that you've now talked about, which, you know, we talked about the folks wearing, you know, the separate shirts. It, you know, my belief is that there's a, 
some distinction between those folks that can look across the room and see one of their colleagues and get help with something, right? And that's yeah. exactly the scenario that you're describing and that you're fostering. But the field salesperson that's out in the fields, they're out and about often by themselves. The installation team may have members that are out by themselves and may not have that project foreman, may not have another project foreman within earshot that he or she can ask for, hey, how do we do this? And you know, how can I get the information that I need? Do you have any way to distinguish them and do you profile them differently uh, in, in a way to kind of give them different learning experiences because one is near their colleagues and one is not? Right. It's it's definitely, uh, I wouldn't say it's newer. It's been around for a while. Um, and I don't, I don't think we separate them as so much we recognize it, right? It's something that we have to learn to. Yeah, profile is probably the wrong word because I know there's yeah. some negative connotations with profiling, yeah. but it recognize, I think, is a good way to describe it. Recognize the uniqueness of their roles. Right, right. And we, environment. We, yeah, we recognize the challenge, right? So yeah. it's a challenge that we have to we work on. Um, and these are things that, uh, you know, aren't ignored, for sure. Uh, we have VCT set up to where we um, come together and we discuss these uh, types of issues and we try to solve them. So we bring, um, you know, multiple brand leaders together. Some might not even be leaders. Some might just be wanting to help out, bring them online and try to discuss these. And one of them is that, right? So the communication, um, they might feel siloed. You know, they're at home or they're on the road and they don't feel engaged, right? So uh, how do we how do we work that into um, making them feel more uh, involved? And one of them is that we have these opportunities for, hey, if you want to jump on and help out, like maybe like a BCT and join this group, you know, let's do it. Jump on and help us out. You know, they might be on their cell phone on the road, but they'll feel engaged. Um, and we have more programs coming out specifically for this. Uh, our internal communications and um, culture manager is working on a project now where um, it's like a remote change agent group where, you know, from all the different brands, if you want to help out and create change, then you can do that. And it probably will be remote and we'll jump on all together and let's work on this stuff. Um, so it's similar to the concept in manufacturing, but it's going to be remote. Um, and that's going to be launching soon. And not everything is going to be something that somebody's into, right? They might not be into raising their hand and being highly motivated for change. Um, but we do have things like our CEO does, uh, Michael Hoy. He does hang in with Hoy once a month. You can jump on there once a month and just engage. You can ask a question. You can raise your hand. You can listen to what's going on. Um, and the purpose is to keep people engaged. We don't want to lose them. We don't want them to feel siloed, you know? Uh, but you're right. Very, It's a very common thing now where remote workers, the value of their work is just that sometimes. And I was having this conversation with my, um, my manager, I think just a few days ago, where I like to come into the office. I like to see people face to face. Um, but some will sit at home and that's okay. You know, if they want to, they don't want that because their work is just work. They want to only do what they're tasked to do and then to get paid for that task because it adds value to the company. And that's okay as well. 
but when you want if you're talking about culture which is a very oh that's a word that could be used any, anywhere at any time um then you do want some sort of um value and creation and camaraderie and everybody working together seamlessly for the goal of what the company growing you growing um and to engage in that we have to not only convince people that we're doing these things but we actually have to do them and then continue to do them we, like you said not three to six months we have to continue to roll out newsletters and uh have people in the newsletters that are being recognized you know, for their hard work and effort. We have to continue to have uh, like the hanging with Hoy once a month and have people come on and talk to our CEO, you know, and just ask questions. We have to continue to have these learning programs because if any of these die at any time, people are gonna, they're gonna say, hey, this was just a joke. This is just to get us engaged and they're not serious about this, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah, I get, I get, uh, sorry, man, I get pretty, um, caught up in that because that's what companies need you're here eight ten hours a day you know yeah. like give me some sort of engagement give me more than just this data that i'm working on you know give me more than just this piece of metal that i'm cutting you know yeah i think that's one of the things that i've seen that you know just anecdotally in my own observations being out in the field doing some ride-alongs with deliver drivers and field service technicians and stuff like that. And then also getting a chance to be part of conversations that happen at corporate in these organizations. I think sometimes there are, are like these myths or assumptions that the corporate employees think that the folks in the field don't want more, that they don't want more engagement because they are accustomed to seeing a lack of engagement by the women and men on the front lines. And so I, mm. I understand a little bit about where that comes from, but I think we're, we have to flip around the cause and effect a little bit. You know, that the reason they're not engaging sometimes is because we're treating them like redheaded stepchildren, right? We're not treating them as members of the corporation in the same way. We're right. not giving them access to the same tools and communication. So we're not necessarily intentionally alienating them, but by the actions that we're taking, I think oftentimes that's the unintended consequence of the way that we structure things in a large corporation. Right. And again, going back to this, is why we created a show called Frontline Innovators was to really kind of highlight those people that have found unique ways to reach that workforce that is separate from the corporate office and find more effective ways to engage with them. And then, you know, what, what happens is it's amazing. And you're, you know, speaking to all these examples is that when you give them opportunities, all of a sudden they start to light up and engage. It's yeah. like, what if we've been doing this all along, right? Maybe we wouldn't be... Um, thinking of them the same way that we had before, which is like, oh, well, they never want to learn anything. They never want to grow in their position. Well, that's maybe because we're not giving them the opportunities to do that. Maybe we're not conveying how they can go about doing that. So you guys have clearly made some very strategic and, and smart investments to help create that culture and recognize that it wasn't going to just happen instantly, but that you know you continue to build on on what you're doing already. And I, I think that's um, re really exciting. And, and I'm very excited to have you know hear the story from you. We, we only do have a few minutes left, but I there's one thing I just wanted to touch on. We got to talk about this a little bit when we first met is is really the the ROI about these investments. And it, it's it, this is one of those weird things. I feel like we shouldn't have to talk about it, but we do. And maybe I have a little bit of a, a 
particular jaded view on this because I'm a, you know, I represent my day job outside of the podcast, a technology vendor trying to present a new way of doing things to companies. And so, you know, one of the objections that we get is, well, how are we going to justify this new investment, right? Certainly understandable. But yeah. I think that holds true across a lot of areas where it's like, hey, we, we know we don't have engagement. In my case, you know, we're solving the problem of technology adoption. Well, we know nobody's using the technology the way that we want. And like, I'm still having to make a case for the <laughs> why you yeah. should invest in technology to fill that. But I'm curious about just hearing examples of how companies who are making investments in technology and in practices and in people and in programs, how you're justifying that inside your organization? Or do you just have such great support from the CEO that I think you said it's a man that he's saying, you know, just no, we need to make these investments. And so maybe it's easy because it's coming from top down. But how does that work? And, and how are you justifying those things to make sense of it? Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I definitely went to some senior leaders about two and a half years ago, two years ago. And I said, how do you measure this? I said that to them. Um, and I mean, I could have been shooting myself in the foot there. You know, it was a hard <laughs> yeah, question. For sure. I was, I was going to be charging this, but I still said, you know, I asked them, how, how do you measure culture and how do you measure learning? You know, um, and the answer I got was, you know, it takes years to collect that data and you, you can't engage in something like this and expect six months from now everyone to uh, be highly engaged, highly motivated, and want to stay here. That's not how that works. Um, what we have noticed is, uh, but just that though, the engagement has went up. Um, and the more people that know about it, then the more people want to uh, talk about it, engage, and ask questions. Um, another thing I haven't said before is that our goal is to be a destination employer. So, we want people to seek us out. Um, and when we have programs like this, then we're gonna attract um, the highest qualified candidates, right? So we want people to come to us. You know, we want a rock solid, uh, above, way above um, the norm sales train. That way the best salesmen will go, I wanna work for them because I make a lot of money and they will train me and the communication is there. Uh, we want a manufacturing plant to where people can go, hey, it's manufacturing, but I'm still making a um, a good wage and I can provide for my family, you know, and not only can I do that, but they also offer programs for learning and development as well. I'm getting yeah. developed, right? Yeah. So um, it, it's, it's more of a uh, just doubling down on that. So the engagement's there. Uh, we proved that with like, the middle management program having around 100 people to come to each session and all of them were all over each brand um that was huge uh the coaching program that we offered where uh, when i asked people to become a coach not only did i get over 100 signups to become a coach but i got well over that uh for people that wanted to be coached the idea that hey i I'm, i can grow um and not only was it being coached uh, by maybe a senior, but it was cross brands. So you might be getting coached from somebody in Minnesota and you're in Cincinnati, you know? So very cool there. Um, but it is more of a, uh, a bet. Um, every, every 
stat shows right now that um, an employee is 12 times more likely if they don't have learning development opportunities. Um, you know, McKinsey did that. Uh, they did that survey for one year and they found out that the second highest reason why people left a company was because they did not have development opportunities. So not only do we want to keep our employees here and engaged, but we want to attract employees. And I'm going to guess in about a year, we're going to see these true results of how well we are doing with this. Um, and I'll say by all means, I'm learning almost daily you know, with, with what we need to do right and wrong and how to engage and not engage. Yeah. Um, so it, it will take a few more years. I would say about a year, uh, maybe at the end of this year, we can get some raw data that suggests uh, if these programs are working and maybe they're not working in some departments and maybe we have to start focusing on those departments alone. Maybe that department feels siloed, but we're definitely aware of it. We're definitely recognizing it. Um, and we're recognizing it, not just to look at it as data on a piece of paper and go, okay, well, we're going to have to worry about that. We worry about that. You know, we, we worry about the department's not engaging and that there's a high turnover rate. What can we do to solve that issue? We do not ignore that. Um, maybe to some employees we do because it's not this instant gratification. Right. But we're working on it and we're going to try to solve it uh, because we're going to try to be the best. That's the mentality. Yeah. Well, kudos to you, man, and to the to the whole organization. I mean, it sounds like you just have such fantastic top-down support, and that's really what's necessary to really develop the culture that Great Day Improvements is is looking to develop. So it's a very encouraging episode on this podcast today. It was um it it's really uplifting to hear the focus on the men and women across your entire organization and the the investments that you've made and um really exciting to hear that so thank you for sharing that story today with uh with me and our audience you're welcome excellent all right well we do need to wrap it up there and to our audience thank you so much for investing the time with us today to explore justin's experiences and, and ideas around engagement and adoption with frontline teams hopefully you can take an idea from today and i'm sure there were plenty of them that you can take and put to work with your frontline teams that you support and unless this is your first episode, you probably already know that this podcast is sponsored by Skillful, the only end-to-end -end systems training platform optimized for frontline operations. You can learn more about us and what we're doing to help you solve your frontline systems training challenges by visiting skillful.com. That's S-K-Y-L-L-F-U-L.com. Justin, thanks again for your time today, man. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Justin. 